Welcome to Unleash the Potential, where I talk to founders, thought leaders, and entrepreneurs who are doing great things with their companies or inspiring others to unleash their own potential. Today, we talk to David Isaac. Uh, he's an indigenous entrepreneur who is a thought leader and infrastructure developer of the green economy. David and I discuss what the priority, priorities are for indigenous community development, how important it is for indigenous communities to play a role in unleashing the power of the environment to transition us to the green economy. So as we go through to the Great Reset, I want you to realize that David Isaac is a real solar wind, and we'll pick it up from there. Thank you. Welcome to Unleash the Potential. I'm Rob Barlow, and I'm here with David Isaac from WDusk. Welcome, David. Um, you're on the West Coast, or should I call it Wet Coast? Um, <laughs> maybe, maybe you want to, you know, explain to the audience um, a little bit about your company and why you started it. Sure. Well, I'm happy to report it's actually a, it looks like a nice high-pressure system today, blue skies. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's not quite January yet, but I hear it's probably going to be wet. Uh, um, but but yeah, I'm with nonetheless. Yeah, exactly. It's it's liquid sunshine. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm uh, actually I guess this would be considered semi-Yamu First Nation traditional territory, uh, where we're specifically located. But it's Coast Salish territory nonetheless. I myself am uh, a Mi'kmaq originally from Lesquish, Quebec, a, a community on the border of New Brunswick. Um, were uh, basically the, the name and the genesis of W Dusk is actually an abbreviation uh, or, or a short form uh, version of, of Wagadusk, which was my traditional Mi'kmaq name, which was given to me by my grandfather, my late grandfather David Isaac, as well as the then chief uh, uh, Alphonse uh, Metallic, of, uh, of, uh, who's a, who's a great leader in our community. So it's an honor to have it, have the name and I'm really the first of this sort of modern generation to have that name. So it's, it's a, it's a responsibility. Um, but as it, funny, it, it's translated, it, it means Northern lights, which is a, essentially solar wind. And so I kind of come by the name honestly, I guess. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, you have to tell us more. That's, that's quite, that's quite an interesting uh, connection. Yeah, so it basically, um, yeah, it's it, the, the, the heart of the work we do is we're, we're technically energy developers, um, but I like to think our DNA is more uh, community developers in, in that we, we, we don't look just at um, one sector or one sort of pillar of community. We, we, we realize, particularly in remote and First Nations communities, that uh, solutions aren't just singular. Uh, the, the world and the reality is it's, it's beyond the sort of the manageable bureaucracy that we have. Obviously, it's designed to facilitate uh, grants and transactions and, and governance, but in, in reality, things work in concert. Um, things work uh, you know, 
multi-systems uh, approach. And so we try to take that um, perspective to all of our projects. So first of all, everything is connected, um, and, and, and as well, uh, particularly in this new digital era, as you're aware um, from your from your wireless uh, uh, telecommunications background, that things are increasingly becoming digitized, particularly in energy, particularly the management of infrastructure, information, media, transportation. Um, there's a new industrial revolution upon us, um, and, and uh, that obviously bodes well for a multi-sectoral approach. And so I think, uh, obviously, from a deployment perspective and planning and engineering perspective, uh, if you can design systems that uh, are plug and play and designed to, together, uh, you can deploy them more efficiently, you can manage them more efficiently. So a lot of the old, I guess, prohibitive myths uh, about operations and maintenance, uh, about remote communities, there, uh, a lot of that is can, can sort of be uh, alleviated or mitigated now just through this digital world we live in uh, with sensors, with IoT, etc. So, um, back in the day when I started, everybody said, "Focus, focus, David, young David." Um, <laughs> you know, in business, you got to focus on one thing. I always sort of countered that. Um, and, and now, as it turns out, I think it's, it's proving itself because uh, you, you can't do community development if you're only a one-trick pony. Yeah, so, so you're doing community development for Indigenous communities. Um, is, the, is there any geographical constraints for you? Is it just Canada or? Well, right now it's Canada. Um, Pre-COVID, we planned to go to actually the U.S., the Southeast. Um, yeah. we, we, you know, Turtle Island is pre-contact to North America was considered Turtle Island. Funny, actually, if you look at it from a Google Earth perspective, it kind of looks like a, a, like a snapping turtle. Um, it's, it's, it's a bit abstract, but you can try to see it when, when you think about it. Um, funny enough, I don't think that's why it was called called that but um, anyhow I'm not saying that we had uh, satellite imagery uh, pre-Columbus but maybe, maybe we had other means of uh, knowledge um, but long story short uh, yeah primarily indigenous communities in North America uh, but we do have aspirations to work with uh, our brothers and sisters in Central South America and are currently on a about a year into conversations with uh, Indigenous Australia as well. And so we're, we're seeing a lot of parallels, particularly in the whole sort of post-colonial or colonial process of, of communities uh, or nations, um, almost the exact same sort of pattern of, uh, of uh, disparity, whether it's uh, economic or social or health. Um, so it's it's very uh, it's it's it reinforces uh, the, the problems, but also the solutions and how globally applicable these solutions are. So we have a lot to learn from other jurisdictions globally, um, and, and, and conversely, we can also share some of our successes. And so I think that there's there's a really neat again because of the digital movement um, and, and communications like this, uh, we're able to really 
uh, download and upload a lot of information and knowledge, uh, create a you know a, a network of like-minded uh, businesses and, and individuals. So, so what kind of um, projects would you do? Uh, would you undertake in indigenous communities? We always, almost always, start with energy because that is sort of our our, our, our jam, our, I'd say, our, our passion. Um, that's where I sort of dedicated most of my career to. Um, energy is a, you know, when you think of what are the pillars of a robust, healthy community or a city or a town, um, it's the basic. It's food, energy, water housing and then interestingly uh, of course telecommunications and broadband and wi-fi so whenever we've been in communities there's usually a, a comprehensive community plan or some sort of strategic plan that they have um, and it's usually those those items that are sort of the priority um, so um, but broadband is interestingly usually one of the top three uh, top five so wow so what is the biggest challenge uh, for you implementing uh, the pro projects with the communities that you work with or, and, and how, does, how, how do you make those projects get the support that they need? The biggest challenge I'd say from an energy perspective is no longer the intent to convert to a modern, clean grid um, but it's more so policy and the lack of readiness uh, the lack of policy environment to to really uh, enable uh, the transition away from uh, what I call just a neo-colonial military technology in the form of oil and gas um, I, basically it's just it's just moving our mindset and our collective sort of moving the policymakers away from the uh, the the old technology paradigm and waking them up. Now, uh, with you know, I don't want to blame COVID. This was happening long before COVID, but the, the whole sort of oil crash crisis, getting into things like negative uh, negative interest rates before. Uh, the oil, the negative oil prices was already precedented. Much of the economy has been sort of uh, inflated with uh, these free money, basically. It's just been almost uh, yeah, an artificial economy based on resource extraction. So um, I think there's uh, this transition has been undergoing for quite a while, and um, the biggest challenge is policy. So. And okay. moving from that mindset, yeah. So, is there opportunities for indigenous communities um, uh, when it comes to energy and uh, the other sustainable um, infrastructure that's really important for them? Um, is there is there some kind of strategy that they have put together collectively, or are you actually helping them do that? We're helping them on a one community after one community. I have been a strong proponent for a national energy plan, which Canada doesn't have. 
collectively, which is crazy. Um, so I think if First Nations can play a role, not as a, you know, typically as we see in other industries uh, previously mentioned, less so the token position, but more so a role of actual uh, leadership and um, influence. I, I think now is the time for, for our peoples to really uh, influence the policy and a national strategy. I think if you look at all the progressive countries around the world, Italy, France, what have you, their big focus right now post-COVID is in stimulus economy is, is logic and, and that being uh, following the green stimulus uh, trend and pathway. So um, I think that's our vehicle. Uh, this is the new sort of framework that not only governments and economies need to start looking at, but um, I think on the more of the microcosm level, First Nations are, have already been doing it and we've already been sort of isolated uh, from an economically anyways. <laughs> we've been in isolation for, for uh, centuries. So um, we're well positioned to sort of transition into this new economy. And, uh, obviously we already have a philosophical and worldview alignment that only accelerates it. So. Uh, I think there was a recent study last year uh, where one in five clean tech projects in Canada had uh, First Nations leadership component to it. So we're early adopters, um, but globally, Canada are laggards. Uh, we really need to uh, you know, become a top uh, global uh, player in, in clean tech and so what an opportunity to to rebuild and to, to attach your economy to something that just is is good for globally good for the environment but also locally uh, is is self-sustaining um so moving away from from this this uh these old sort of paradigms so it's uh i feel quite optimistic um that uh you know, logic will prevail in, in our new economy and First Nations will play a significant role. So uh, First Nations communities really, if they come to you, you're actually giving them autonomy with respect to energy, right? In a decentralized kind of model? And it certainly, yeah. I mean, it's, it's the technology as, of decolonization. It's the technology of autonomy, absolutely. Um, I think uh, it's it's part of uh, a platform. Uh, I mean, if you can attach, I mean, we joke about the the sunlight here, but if you can attach your, if you can have an offtake agreement, and this is where policy comes into place, um, this is where we need utilities to become more socially minded. Um, where we need to, you know, if we can sell, if a small community, every community. Canada can start selling power and have a lot be locked into 20 to 30 year offtake or power purchase agreements or energy purchase agreements uh, and attach it to something like the sun. Uh, so as, as sure as the sun rises, um, revenue, a modest revenue will, will be, will be coming. Um, like how, how much more poetic and how much better does it get than that? Like, what the heck? Like, uh, yeah, sign, sign us up. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's just a win-win. It's a beautiful form of energy. Um, 
it's just baffling the, the the lack of uptake and just the incredible amount of brain trust we already have in the tech sector. Uh, even Vancouver over here, we're one of the hubs in Canada. There's so many, you know, this new economy. Where Canada is so well positioned to become leader globally again, we're not right now. Um, we need to we need to catch up and. Uh, yeah, so it's it's a it's a good time to uh, to be in this position where an economy is actually based on self sufficiency and it's based on environmental merit uh, and it's based on improving the quality of life. I, I I think these are things that have been lacking in this gen in the last couple generations, and, and I think it shows through in in how we sort of uh, interact with each other, the world, nature. And there's a general sense of cognitive, you know, there's cognitive dissonance. There's, there's, there's a real, uh, I think, identity crisis for a lot of businesses and uh, economies that are based on destructive means and that are perpetuating effectively, you know, colonial histories. So I think the sooner we can get off of, uh, you know, a parasitic type of economy, uh, from an environmental and economic perspective, the quicker we can, as an identity and as a country, be more proud and, and move towards uh, innovation, true innovation. Well, this is great. Like, you truly are unleashing the potential. You know, you're taking the sun, bringing it to communities, giving them autonomy, solving a problem from... Um, from a uh, you know pride and and giving them something back to um, to add it all up into a bigger ecosystem across Canada, the United States, and in uh, Australia. So if somebody was gonna you know if 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 somebody wanted to get in touch with you to do some infrastructure development or a new energy pro project, how how can they contact you? Fantastic. Yeah. Thank you. Um, wdeskgroup.com so www.wdeskgroup.com uh, there's some contact info or uh, maybe there's a, a they can dm us through through the link here um, but uh, yeah we we're, we're definitely uh, at a phase or in our evolution where we're in that somewhat uncomfortable and i'm glad we didn't scale up pre-covid <laughs> but um, we're definitely moving towards a scale-up uh, uh, position in, in our trajectory position right now. But um, yeah, we're, we're looking into also larger project development um, using economies of scale, particularly in, in solar, um, where we want to get into the multi-megawatt uh, space a little bit more while, while keeping the integrity of community-owned and uh, finding that balance between uh, I guess what's that saying? Uh, the difference between poison and medicine is dosage, and and I think that's particularly true for for renewable energy uh, or energy in general. Um, you need to find that right balance, and so we're trying to we're trying to push the limits of that, and so that's where we're looking into larger capital projects, and we're looking for um, investors that uh, are more progressive and, and and maybe can also see some of them more of this. The, the social impact uh, ROIs as well. Um, but mind you, a very much more stable form of energy um, and one that's not tied to 
um, military activity or, or um, you know, factions and, and geopolitical rifts. Uh, this, is, this is safe, secure, crown corporation, usually utilities. Uh, these are, this is the new gold. Uh, so, um, yeah, we're, we're definitely looking for, for interested uh, investors and partners. Excellent. Well, I'd really like to just say thank you, David. Um, and um, you, you are doing great work. And thanks for your time today. I appreciate it. Finally, I appreciate you having me. All thank right. you. There you have it, folks. It's another inspiring founder that is unleashing the potential. Hit subscribe on my YouTube channel. And please follow me on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Stay tuned for next week's inspiring talk. Thank you very much.